Christ and raised, and there is no salvation in any other name, and they took note that they'd been with Jesus. That's the context to which this happened. So they sent away, scolded and in trouble, and warned. And remember, Jesus, this had similarly happened to Jesus. Things had escalated. They called him in, and what happened to Jesus? Anyone remember? They crucified him. I thought, I thought we'd get a response on that one. But. <laughs> <laughs> they crucified Jesus. So there's this kind of sense of, okay, is this going to, there's, there's a big opposition here. Is this, this could be, I could be next, we could be next. And what happens? And so this is where we pick up our text. And it says, verse 23, it says, they went to their friends. They went to their friends and explained everything that had happened. So this opposition happens, and the first thing they do is find a friend. <laughs> next, maybe the next slide. Yeah, there you go. Find a, tell a friend and do it together. What a great response. That Coming out of that project, the first thing they do is they go to the community of believers, and they say, this is the, what's happened. Would you stand and pray with us? Tell a friend and do it together. And it says, when they were together, it says, they lifted their voices together and said to God. So the first thing they do is pray together. I don't know about you, but that's not my normal response to opposition, as I described earlier. My normal response to something going not my, quite my way or being scolded or coming up against something is normally to try and solve it myself. Figure out, well, what are the... Oh, it just happened. Surely I must know some, enough information to fix this. The first thing they do is they find the other believers and they begin to pray. It says they lifted their voices together. Prayer was the response... These are the kind of people you should tell if you're struggling with something. The kind of people who gather together and pray. Not the kind of people who maybe offer a lot of unhelpful opinions, right? Maybe you've even been that person. I know I have. People tell me their struggles and I'm like, I've got a thousand things that I think you should do. <laughs> and maybe God's not in any of them. <laughs> Please forgive me, I have to say later. <laughs> the first thing is to pray in opposition when struggles come. And they lifted their voices, they did it together. This is great. Um, for those of you, segue, we pray together at 9.30 on Sunday morning. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> 9.30 Sunday mornings, we, we gather together to pray. Yeah, together. It's a wonderful opportunity. Please join in because prayer is powerful and changes things. And it says they lifted their voices together. Just for clarity, God can hear all prayer at once. You know, when we pray, we can pray together. Um, if you think how many Christians there are in the world, if God's praying, even the non-believers can cry out to God, and God can hear all of them. So they lifted this, what some people call Korean-style style prayer, because they just pray together out loud. It's biblical, so if you, yeah, it's in the Bible, Acts chapter 4. Sunday mornings, their response to persecution trial is prayer, and then they prayer. this is an amazing prayer. So we're going to take a few moments just to look at their prayer. Prayer, God, what should I say? God, I've, something terrible's happened in my life, something, some opposition. Well, not even terrible, some opposition's happened. What, what should I do? What should I pray? Maybe the next slide. The prayer, their first words are, Sovereign Lord. Man, that's a pretty good start. <laughs> Sovereign Lord. <laughs> Sovereign Lord. You, Lord, are over everything. What a great place to start prayer. What, what do my prayers normally tell me about God? Well, it's not that most often. 
My prayer is normally like, God, you need to fix this, and you need to change that person, and this went wrong, and so that has to be different. Those are normally, everyone's looking at me very strangely. Is that similar to your prayers? <laughs> Anyone pray like that? Anyone, anyone start there every time? Uh, only, only one holy person in here, oh, and it's not me. I love this beginning of the prayer. It's not the place I start, but I'm learning. Oh, God, yes. What a great start. And it gets better from there, <laughs> if you can think about it. The, the next line is, God, you are the sovereign Lord, and you made the heavens and the earth, and you made everything in it. You, there's nothing that you don't control. It, it's, now they're just moving in further. God, it doesn't actually, the circumstances are now second to who God is. God, you are sovereign. You made everything. You control everything. Everything is in your hands. Wow. It's almost beginning to sound like praise rather than complaint. <laughs> it's almost beginning to sound like declaring who God is. God, you're, you're above every, we I know who you are. Again, the circumstances are maybe very difficult, but the place they start, what an example of prayer. God, you made everything. You control and rule everything. By what authority are you doing these things? By the God who made the heavens and the earth, the one who, by the sovereign Lord, that's whom we're trusting. It becomes even greater than that. They now start to quote Psalm 2. And they say, God, you spoke this by your, your, the Holy Spirit. Why are the Gentiles raging and the peoples plotting in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers are gathered together against Jesus. They quote Psalm 2. If you know the rest of Psalm 2, basically Psalm 2 goes like this. The rulers are making great plans. They think they got things sorted out. God sits in heaven and he laughs. He chuckles to himself. <laughs> Whoa, look what's going on there. Some the guys are making plans. <laughs> he says, and his response is, I don't worry about all that because I have set in my, upon my king, in my throne, Jesus. It doesn't say Jesus in Psalm 2, but it's clearly messianic. In fact, the word there, I've set my anointed one, literally means the anointed, my Messiah, is actually the words in Psalm 2. I've set him on the, on the throne, and he, rolls, he rules the nations in an iron way, in a, with a rod that cannot be shaken. He cannot be undone. He is the ruler of all things. And be wise and draw near and kiss the Son, Psalm 2 says. Submit to Jesus. He is the great King and ruler of all. What a framework for prayer, praying through Psalm 2. God, you are the King of all things. You are the one who rules all things, and Help us to draw near to you. Help us to draw, come to your ways. Let us trust in your ways, despite our circumstances. Pray using the scriptures. It'll help a lot. I've found the scriptures to know more than me. <laughs> I've found the script, praying the scriptures to be better than my prayers. God hears all prayers. Don't worry about it. You can pray anything. It's never a wrong prayer in a sense, because God takes your prayer, however silly it is, and I've prayed many of those silly prayers, and God hears it and rescues your prayer, and brings in, but what a great example. Pray the scriptures. If, you, if you're struggling to pray, if you find your prayers struggling, use the scriptures. It's so beautiful. And they're realizing in this moment, God, there's these authorities against us. It actually doesn't matter about them because you are above them. You are seated above. This is not an earthly battle. This is a spiritual battle. We don't have to fight these guys. I don't have to fight for this situation. We can just trust in you, and we take it to prayer. It's a spiritual matter.
So I don't know about you, but this is definitely not my usual response to in prayer. God, help me. I'm learning. Pray the scriptures. It's a good idea. Your prayers will end up being much better. Jesus put it like this. If you abide in me and my words, the word of God abides in you, then you can ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. John chapter 15, I think it is. Jesus says, if my words abide in you, just pray whatever you want. Pray the scriptures. Verse 27, the prayer gets really deep. So th those, those are things which I think you can take on board and I don't want to use the word parrot, but you could do that, right? You could pause and say, God, you're in charge. <laughs> God, let me use the scriptures and let me declare you're in charge. This next one is what I call prayer level expert. <laughs> next, next slide. Your will be done. Ouch. Verse 27, they say, God, in this city, there were those gathered against your anointed servant, Jesus, Herod and Pilate, and they did what your hand had organized to do, had predestined to do. So they're looking at the picture of Jesus, them almost facing the same situation. The authorities are now coming against us. And they say, God, we don't want to take charge of this situation because we'll probably mess it up. <laughs> In fact, in Jesus' situation, there were a couple of disciples who tried to stop the crucifixion. You remember that? Peter's chopping it. Like, hey, let me, let me, I've got some good ideas, God. Let me take charge here. Give us a sword. Wah! Jesus, good one. Up, down. <laughs> Taking charge of the situation. It seems that the disciples here are having a beautiful response. They're going, Jesus, we, situations, uh, we are entrusting them to you. I'm putting them in your hands. And just like I know, God, in the, in the crucifixion, you had something much better going on than what I was thinking of, I'm going to trust into that, in that manner that, God, you have something much better going on here. God, your will be done. Be careful when you pray that one. God, your will be done. Jesus prayed it himself in the garden. He said, God, let this cup pass from me if it's possible, but not my will, but your will be done. They prayed, thank you, God, for your, thank you, God, for being in charge, even when they conspire against us, that your will be done. What fear is left when even persecution and death is made to serve God? When even persecution and death now serves God, what fear is left? What a prayer. <laughs> Not God change my circumstance, but God do what you are doing. Persecution was not in the way of God's plan. It serves God's plan. Jesus said, God, let your will be done. If it is possible, let your will be done. So again, I don't think it's wrong to ask, to bring your circumstance to God. Jesus did. He's like, God, this cup I'm facing, I don't, I, if there's any way, take it from me. So he's, he's asking about his circumstance. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what an incredible picture of prayer. God, you are sovereign. God, you reign over all things. God, your will be done. Don't let me get my hands 
on that sword and chop off someone's ear. <laughs> Wonderful prayer. The Lord's Prayer is very similar. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, I art on earth. Well, I'm not really an artist, but I art on earth. <laughs> He's in the heavens. He's my Father. He rules the heavens. He's my Father who is close and loves me, and He rules over all things. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All glory to you. Oh, I praise you, God. You are, you are so good. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This level, what I call level expert, <laughs> or level very scary to pray. This is the, a wonderful picture and model of prayer. And so this is what they do, and I love their prayer. So, so encouraging, so, so challenging. And then they, they do eventually get to asking God for something, right? And this is the next section we're going into now. They ask God for something, for some grace, um, which is normally the place where we start. I love their start is different. And it says, now, Lord, this is what they say, verse 20, now, now Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with great boldness. God, would you look upon their threats? So even the asking God for action, the first thing they do is they commit the other side to God. They say, God, would you look upon their threats? I don't want to look upon what's going on and take charge. God, I'm committing that to you. You understand their threats. God, you deal with those threats. But what I'm asking God, would you give me great grace in a sense? They say, God, would you grant to your servants to continue to speak your word? What a beautiful thing. I commit that to God, but grant your servants. Notice it's plural. They're not asking for one preacher to do it. They want the whole community to do it. God, could we speak your word with great boldness? God, please don't let me say stupid things. <laughs> That's a great prayer. But God, let me say your word. What, what are they asking? God, let me speak your word into this situation. I want to speak what, who you are, what you say. Declare your word. Declare that Jesus is risen. Declare that Jesus died and rose again. God, let me speak what? your word. Ask God for boldness to speak his word, not to speak my word. I have plenty of words, plenty of silly things to say, hopefully not this morning, but while we're doing this, but God, let your word be spoken. What a great prayer. God, I want you to do something for me in this, in this trial. Whatever you're facing, think of the toughest thing you're facing. Once you've declared how good God is, how sovereign, then ask God, God, would you help me to speak your word into this moment. What does your word say? How can I proclaim it? They don't ask for the persecution to cease, but they ask for renewed courage to endure and speak God's word. God, give us strength to speak your word with great, great boldness. And then they continue, verse 30 says, while you, God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders and miracles through the name, there it is again, of your holy servant, Jesus. Their prayer is, God, enable me to speak your word. That's just my job. My job is to declare the resurrection of Jesus. God, your job, God, will you stretch out your hand? What another great prayer. God, would you act? God, would you act in miraculous ways? Not in ways that I can do, but God, would you do the miraculous in this circumstance. Continue, God, to do that. They've already been seeing it, and they're just asking God, God, would you uh, do something that only you can do in this circumstance? What a great prayer. 
God, I entru- you are sovereign, you are good, you are, but I'm also asking God for you to do something miraculous even in my circumstances. The pain, the struggle that I've nev- not been able to come, God, would you change my heart? The uh, brokenness that I see, God, would you break into it and change it? God, something that you can do. You know you can't change your own heart, you need God to do that. God, the brokenness that I see in my body or in a family members, God, would you heal that? God, I'm asking you to break in and do something that I cannot do. What a great prayer. What a great encouragement. So they, their prayer going from the sovereignty of God to saying, God, would you also help me to just declare your word? That's my job. God, and would you do wonderful and miraculous things? And I entrust them to you. I'm not demanding. Notice they don't say, I am in charge of those things. They say, God, you stretch out your hand. The book of Acts is full of those kind of things. Um, I think there are some errors you can make in that as well. Of course there are. Um, some people think that it's, the book of Acts is spread over a long time, so the miracles aren't even a daily occurrence. It might feel like that in the book. Miracles are when God interacts and breaks in. Expecting them to be everyday, regular, normal, usual, on tap, as I just turn the tap and God does what I say, he's my genie in a bottle, that is not, you don't find that in the scriptures. But equally, you don't find people not asking. You don't find people going, oh, forget about all that nonsense. That is not the scriptural. The book of Acts encourages us. We can ask God, and we put it in his hands. We say, God, would you do it? And yet, it's in the context of I completely trust that God is good in working something incredible out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, even if he slay me, it doesn't matter. Wow. Oh, king, you can put us in the fire. And God is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, it doesn't really matter. He's still sitting up there. <laughs> He's still laughing at the plans of men. He is the God of all things. God, would you help me to speak your word? God, would you stretch out your hand and do something in this situation? What circumstance are you facing? Invite and ask God. God, would you stretch out your hand and do something? He can do all things. He can do everything. He can do anything. The goodness and the sovereignty of God is actually an encouragement to pray. When you know God can do something, it gets you even more excited to pray. Imagine if you thought God couldn't do everything. If he wasn't sovereign over everything, then you would less than pray. I'll use this example, and I'll be careful here now. If you want something to be done, and you tell Anna about it, Anna's my wife, you better be sure you want it to happen, because wheels will be set in motion, Calls will be made, emails sent, uh, agendas set, place venues booked. It's, going to, it's about to happen, so you be careful the kind of person you ask for, yeah, for things to happen, right? There's other people you're kind of comfortable to ask because, you know, they'll discuss it and chat and it'll be lovely and, and we might get around to doing it some, at some point. Um, but when you ask Anna to do something, there's a force of nature there that's going <laughs> to, that something's going to happen. So you just be very, very careful about asking because something's going to take place. Now, Anna's not God, of course, but imagine when you ask God, who's completely capable of doing everything, but also he's smarter than us. You know, he gets it all right. If you ask Anna, she might do a lot, but she might get a few things wrong because she's just done everything and you go, oh, hang on, I wish that hadn't happened. That's because we're humans and that's, sorry, that's not Anna, that's probably more me. I get more things wrong than her, just for the record. 
But the point being, when you're asking a good father who knows everything and gets everything right and is completely powerful and is completely able to do it, isn't that super encouraging? If I want something that I get, if I want help, I, I love asking Anna because I know, whoa, things are like there's strength and, and uh, help and assistance. What an incredible picture of a God who knows everything, who's good at everything and completely capable and is, knows the best and has the power for the best. God, would you stretch out? God, do something. God, I'm asking you to get involved. Wow. That's, I find that actually more encouraging than kind of just pretending, like, oh, well, maybe God's involved or not. He's distant. And, and you know, asking him is like worth, in a sense, not really worth asking because he may or may not be involved. That kind of theology is discouraging to me. God's sovereignty is very encouraging to me. God is able and powerful to do something. And here they go. It says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, God, would you act? We ask you, God, to act. God's rulership over all things is a reason to pray. He can do all things. It is trusting that he can do better than we can do through this name. Prayer and witnessing also go together in this text. You'll see that. They want to speak the name of Jesus. They want to declare. What a great idea to pray when you want to tell people about Jesus. Ask God to become involved. In verse 31, God answers their prayer. We come down to the last section here where God answers their prayer. And when they had prayed, it said, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God answers their prayer. They continued to speak. They wanted to speak God's word and they continued to do it powerfully, it says. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is now the second time we've seen this. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that from a couple of weeks ago? Acts chapter 4, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It happens again in Acts chapter 10 for the Gentiles, again in Acts 13 and various times through the book. The point being, being filled with the Holy Spirit is normal and repeated. <laughs> it's usual. Every time we need it, we continually need the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Paul in Ephesians writes like this. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's asking all believers, just ask God to help you. And this is what they've been doing. God, would you help us? And they are filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 16, Jesus explains this, that the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you, and He will lead you, and He will give you the words to say. It's all about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And notice what happens. It says the Holy Spirit filled them, and the building was shaken. What's that about? <laughs> Why is the building getting shaken? Well, it's a very dramatic moment. Makes me think of Isaiah 6. Maybe, we'll just, maybe I'll read it for a moment. Isaiah 6, where Isaiah... Opens his, uh, has a vision of God. He sees God, right? Isaiah 6, it says, In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord upon the throne. Where is God? He's on the throne. Lifted high and up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. And they covered their, uh, with two they covered their face, with two they covered his feet, and with two they flew. Very strange picture. I'll let you interpret that one. And one of them called out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled of His glory. Jesus, the ascended glorious one, the whole earth will be filled with His glory. The foundations of the threshold shook. There it is. 
when Isaiah, Isaiah sees God on his throne, it says the foundations are sh shaken at his voice, at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke, it says. The house was filled with smoke, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. The very presence of God, Isaiah seeing the king, the king of kings seated on the throne, says his voice and presence shake the foundations. We're dealing with a very powerful, very real God. He is not a um, puppet king of the universe. He is the actual king when he speaks and his presence shakes the very foundations of things. God presences himself. And here we see in Acts 4, God presences himself in the midst of his gathered church praying. What a beautiful picture. His voice shakes the foundations. God, we ask you to be involved. Would you come in our midst as you are? Wasn't that God wasn't in their midst? Acts 2, they'd already had this similar experience, but they're just saying, God, would you afresh presence yourself in the midst of your people and empower us? The foundations are shaken. God is present. God is with us. His voice is in the midst of his people. God's voice and presence is many times described like thunder and real power. And they spoke with great boldness, not arrogance, but with great boldness. They said, Jesus is alive and testified to the res resurrection. Verse 32 says, the number of those who were gathered together were of one heart and one soul. This is a Reflection back to what we saw the Holy Spirit do in Acts chapter 2. There's empowering now for prayer and for declaring the resurrection of Jesus, and yet there continues to be a one heart and one mind. It says they were together with one heart and soul. What does it mean to be of one heart and one soul? It means to reflect God, reflect who God is. You know the Trinity is like that? They are one. There are three, in, three but one. They are in, in perfect unity. Everything they are, they have and share in a sense. There's nothing that they withhold from each other. They are in perfect communion. They are complete. They have a complete openness to each other. This is them reflecting who God is. The Holy Spirit is upon them. They are now beginning to reflect God even in a more and more beautiful way. Unity is a reflection of the presence of the Holy Spirit. A unity of love. Nothing that I am taking is mine or, or I take is mine, but I share it with everything, with everyone. Material things being the least important of that list. Heart, love, kindness, forgiveness, um, uh, gentleness towards other, sharing, preference, all those things are an essential reflection of who God is. And this is what is still in the very midst while the building is being shaken. There's an essential unity by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Rebellion is the opposite of this. I need to be different. I need to be separate. I need to be independent. Put simply, division hinders prayer and presence in the church. A divisive act is never of the Holy Spirit. This is the transforming power and work of Jesus in his church. Verse 33 says, and with great power... The last verse that gave testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Great power comes upon them and they testify 
to the resurrection of Jesus. Why I encourage you, declare the resurrection of Jesus. Declare it that Jesus is alive. Declare it that Jesus is powerful. Declare it that Jesus is above all things. Declare it that Jesus has conquered death. Preach the resurrection and start by preaching it to yourself. Jesus has been raised from the dead. There is great power in the name of Jesus. Jesus who rose from the dead. And it says, and great grace was upon them all. What a beautiful picture. Power and grace. Great power, great grace was upon them all. I don't know about you, but I'm stirred, challenged, encouraged to ask God for his great power and his great grace to be upon us. God, would you fill us afresh and continually with your presence and your Holy Spirit. Let your great grace, your great power, your presence, your voice that shakes and changes things, that your hand which is stretched out to do marvelous things, your great love and unity upon my heart in this church. God, would you do it? God, please do it. Let us then take the opportunity of every opposition and struggle to ask God for help in prayer and in proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. God, stretch out your hand. You are Lord. You are good. Your will be done. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Let's